Hi, I'm Sherry Davis, Canada's Dogmaster and the trainer of Rex on the hit TV series Hudson and Rex. Welcome to How to Dog. <coughs> Each episode, someone like you calls in with a canine question. This week, we're talking about sleeping and dreaming. Hi, this is John. Uh, I'm just calling to know more about what's best for my dog when it comes to sleeping. So does it matter if he's in my bed? Uh, is there any issues related to that? And what can I do if he's in a crate, make it more comfortable? What about using things like humidifiers, anything like that? So I'm just looking for the best possible setup for my dog when it comes to sleeping. Thanks. Thanks for your question. The sleeping needs of dogs are something that aren't often talked about. But rest assured, there's a lot more to know beyond just letting sleeping dogs lie. In fact, dogs need their sleep just as much as people do, if not more. There are certainly things that you can do to improve your dog's sleep. And as a result, it's going to improve their lives and our lives. So this week, it's all about dogs and the Z's. Sleep comes easy to my dog. She can do it with her eyes closed. Hi, everyone. A reminder that this podcast is not personal advice, and you should always consult with an expert when taking care of your own doggo. Shh! Oh, sorry. Over to you, Sherry. Later in the podcast, I'm going to speak to Dr. Deirdre Barrett about whether dogs dream and what they dream about. Dr. Deirdre is a psychologist and one of the world's foremost experts on dreams. And she has written multiple books about dreaming. She's going to tell us what is known about dogs and their dreams. That's coming up shortly. But first, I have Sean Harnack with me. He's a Toronto dog trainer who also helps his clients' dogs develop better sleeping habits. He's going to give us some tips on how we can improve our dog's health through better sleep which might also improve your life as well. Sean, welcome to How To Dog. Hi, Sherry. Thanks so much for having me. I'm a big fan. For all of our listeners out there who do training with their dogs, I have a lot of them who come in and they say, well, you know, um, I took my dog to uh, the park and we threw a ball and I exhausted the dog and, you know, his tongue was hanging out to here and we went to training and, uh, you know, the dog wouldn't pay attention. He was worse than ever. Or they'll say, you know, we went for like a five mile hike before we came today. So I'm a little tired and I'm like, wow, like, why are you doing this? And and people actually think that this is going to make their dogs listen better and do better at um, at school. When actually, what is it actually doing to their dogs? Well, there are two things that are happening um, depending on the situation. But one, obviously, if they're exhausting their dog, their dog is not going to be a willing participant in any training. So I would think like if I worked an entire workday and then came home and someone was like ready to do math problems, like I'm, I'm, like, I'm looking for the couch at that point, right? So first of all, you don't want your dog to be completely exhausted because they're not going to be an invested participant. The other thing is oftentimes people will amp their dogs up a little too much. They'll arouse them too much with too much excited play. So then when they try to do some training with them at that point, they are just overstimulated. And, and focus is the name of the game. Right. So if there's a little bit of excess energy, 
that we want to get rid of, that's fine. You can do a little bit of a walk or a little bit of playtime, but there should be a ceiling on the excitement level. And it's just trying to prime them for focus because that's what we need. To, that's what we need them to bring to school and to learning is focus. So not much different than ourselves, actually. Not at all. Not at all. So, I mean, I remember um, in elementary school, we had 15 minute recess. We didn't have we didn't run three hour marathons and then come back and try to do school. Right. You get right. you burn off a little energy and then you come back in. That That's all. That's all it is. That's necessary anyway. I, I think a lot of times there's a misconception about rest for a dog. OK. Yeah. OK. So. I think one thing is most people end up if they if they're out partying or they're going out for dinner or something. Now the dog's routine has changed. And, yes. you know, sometimes it's the weekend. So everybody's going to stay up later than normal, including the dog. But then they can't figure out why their dog is uh, wound the next day. Is this a real thing? Well, uh, I'm a big advocate for a dog having a good routine, a, a schedule. And when I work with clients, I actually want them as best they can to write out a schedule for their dog. And that includes sleep. That includes downtime because dogs generally, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of variation, but dogs generally sleep upwards of half, if not more of their day. They spend that time sleeping, right? Right. So because they spend so much of their time sleeping, it's important that that quality that that sleep is quality sleep and that it's uh, that it's happening at the right times that complement because dogs operate on a on natural circadian rhythm as well, just like us. So it's important that we factor that into their day. So in answer to that question, um, your routine is as important as their routine because your routine will affect how they operate throughout the day. So if I am somebody who's right, who is again, like you pointed out, if I'm coming home at two in the morning, and that's waking my dog up. Or if I'm if I'm just a restless person, if I'm kind of walking around and disturbing their sleep a lot, that's going to have an impact overall. So if we can have a good schedule for them throughout the day and for ourselves, that's going to promote overall. Uh, that's that's going to be an overall good thing for both of us as co, co you know cohabitating. Right? We both right. need at the end of the day, dogs and people need good quality sleep. It it affects our mood. It affects our cognitive abilities. And in the long term, it affects our physical and mental well-being. So if we're not getting good quality sleep and our dogs are not getting good quality sleep, we're both at a disadvantage and we're not going to be good partners in the long term either. Okay, so great information. Now, one thing I, I am going to touch down on here yep. is a lot of people will ask, do you allow your dogs in your bed? I love that Working. question. Yeah. So, and and people are like, oh, no. <laughs> and other people are like, oh, of course, you know. Yeah. Can you give us some insight? I'd love to. I actually, I love when clients ask me that question because that's, uh, it means they're being thoughtful about it, first of all, which I, which I love. So from, I'm a, I'm an advocate of the crate and I have a lot of reasons for that that are outside of sleep, but part of it is, part of it has to do with sleep. It's a very, it, it can be a private place where your dog develops a sense of their own security right. and it's safe. Obviously there are a lot of advantages to crate training, but um, beyond that, I'm, I am not opposed to a dog sleeping with you. I would want, when I, when a client asks me that question, I just come back with a few questions of my own. My number one question would be, well, does your dog disturb your sleep? Does your dog wake up a lot and shuffle around a lot and smack, smack, smack its lips and wake you up a lot? If that's happening, cost-benefit analysis, right? I just apply that to the entire thing. If you're waking up a lot, you're not getting good sleep. You're not going to be the greatest 
the greatest person in your dog's life at that point brings us back to that grumpiness, right? <laughs> so, and, and cognitive ability and everything. So you, you need to be operating at a good level as well. So if your dog is disturbing your sleep, I would say, okay, let's maybe reassess this. Maybe this isn't the right situation. My second question would be about security. Now, part of, part of the lovely thing about sleeping with a dog is a sense of security. We get a sense of security sleeping with our dogs and they get one as well. However, if your dog, if your dog can't have a sense of security on their own, then I would rather you spend that eight hours helping them to develop that sense of security on their own instead of reinforcing what I would call security dependence, because that's going to lead to separation anxiety. So instead, I would say, okay, maybe this is, you know, maybe this is just right now. You can always reevaluate down the line. But for this, at, at this point in their development, I would want you to think about, okay, maybe we can start slowly developing a little bit of distance between us so the dog can learn to self-soothe on their own because a dog that can be by themselves and be at ease by themselves is a balanced dog in that state of mind, right? And then my last question again would be just experiment like be and and, and be highly observant in your experimentation. Is, is Are you actually disturbing your dog's sleep? Is your dog getting the best sleep in your bed or do they sleep better in their crate? Are they less restless? Because we ultimately... Right. Dogs have, um, I mean, I, I, I think people have, people need about 20 to 30% of REM sleep, but REM sleep is important. The reason I bring it up is because, um, it's as important to dogs as it is to humans, except people need about 20 to 30% of their sleep to be REM sleep. Whereas dogs need about 10%, but dogs, dogs don't often get that complete REM sleep throughout the night. They actually need to get it throughout the day because they're, they're prone to waking up really sharply really high alert, ready to go. So that interrupts that sleep cycle. And then they just need to be able to compensate for that throughout the day. So all of that is to say, where is your dog getting the best sleep? Is it in your bed or is it in a crate or is it on their own bed? Just be mindful of that. Keep an eye on that and then give them that environment because at the end of the day, we're their guardians. So as much as we may want them to be in our bed, get that little hit of oxytocin. We love that. But if it's not good for them, then we've got to reassess. So uh, I think it's really interesting because you brought up a really good point here. And I'm going to I'm going to tell you what I hear a lot. OK, I hear. And, and I'm thinking of one person in particular <laughs> who is a really good friend and has a German shepherd and says that the dog um, she said to me just the other day, I don't think my dog loves me. And I said, now, why in green in God's green earth would you say that to me? And she said, I, I mean, this dog follows her like a puppy dog. This dog, it just adores her. Like she, she and the dog are like one. They go everywhere together. I don't think the dog has ever <laughs> like been with us. She takes the dog to work and, yeah. you know, everything. And she says, well, because when I go to bed, the dog jumps up for like five minutes and uh -huh. then leaves the bed. Yes, yes, yes. Well, that's, that's a dog that's making the right decision for itself. It knows where it's going to get the best sleep. And it's deciding to go to that environment because, of course, why wouldn't the dog want to get the best possible sleep it can get? And so and if some people actually try to force their dogs to sleep in bed with them and they and like you said, like your friend, they're like, if the dog tries to kind of squirm out of their arms, they're like, why don't you love me? It's like, no, your dog loves you, but they want a little bit of space. Right. And this is where they sleep better. If your dog is intelligent and aware enough to make that decision, you should be very proud of your dog. Well, you know, it's funny because so many people think the opposite, right? And mm -hmm. I applaud a dog who thinks on its own. And I uh, applaud that dog, too. Yes. you know, 
the dog sits there and, and is like, I know you're going <laughs> to bed. I'm coming to give you a kiss goodnight. Yeah, make yeah. sure that you're tucked in. And then I'm leaving. Uh, My mom, when I was a kid, used to take me to bed, tuck me in, give me a little kiss, and then leave the room. I didn't think that she didn't love me anymore. That's a great example. Your mom's not, your mom more than likely isn't going to creep up into the bed and like cuddle you all night. And, you know, some of us as kids might want that, but your mother also knows that's not great for you in the long term, right? Because at some point you have to become an adult. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, you know, I think that dog is brilliant because so do it's I. showing you love. Yeah. It's showing you attention. It's making sure you're tucked in, you're safe, mm-hmm. and then it's removing itself so it gets that. Comfort. Your your friend should be giving that dog a gold star, like that that yeah. kind that kind of awareness and emotional intelligence is phenomenal. If your dog's operating at that level, you've done a great job. So give them the space they need. Right. Yeah. Now another thing that I find, and you know. I think the most dogs I had at one time was 109. And, you know, I do a lot of uh, rehab and rehabilitation. And, and you know, it's very funny because some of them love their crates. Some of them love to be on the bed. And I, I found that my dogs love to touch one another when they were sleeping, um, a lot of them. But then we had the independent ones that like their crates. And then I have the dogs that like to put themselves, they come, they say goodnight, and they like to put themselves in the middle of the spot where you can't get up the stairs without them knowing. You can't get in a door without them knowing. It's almost like it's a natural guardianship that they are in a spot where they're going to make sure that everybody is safe and sound and nobody's coming and nobody's leaving. And if they do, they're going to be aware of it and and be an escort in a good way or a bad way. In a good way or a bad way is a, is a really important thing to point out. Because if that if that behavior is leading to problematic behaviors, especially like guarding that that tips into aggression and obviously a bite or anything like that, or snarling or even excessive barking, anything like that, that can be a problem, right? So you don't want your dog to spend the night developing and reinforcing that role that they've taken on and it makes sense that they take on that role that that's i mean that's how we that's how we develop together we needed them as guardians and alarm systems they, they they're they're in a big part responsible for how we developed as a as a species um and having that having them as alarm systems have been but that's just not the case in for the most part especially people living in the city and you share a wall with your neighbor if your dog's losing their mind because they heard a little sound and they're they feel like they're protecting their, the space like that that's not going to work so we have to we have to retool that we have to te- we have to show them how to do something different like I, I understand what you're doing i appreciate it but this is not going to work this is not the job i want for you right. so then we have to we have to give them a different place to sleep and we have we do have to enforce that to some extent we have to make it comfortable as perfect as we possibly can, but we can't have them practicing that if it leads to undesirable behavior and dangerous behavior. Right. So in that case, when the dog is reactive like that, that would be the time where you look at different situations, yes. maybe putting them in your bedroom on a bed, maybe using a crate mm-hmm. exactly um, to reinforce that it's okay, buddy. I don't need you to watch my back all night. That's right. You you want them to, you just, you want to flip that. You want them to understand that you're the one who looks after everything, that you're the one who is in control of this environment. I don't need you to do that for me. So whatever situation it might be, like you said, putting the bed, the crate can be a, an excellent way to, to deal with that as well to try to break that that habit from developing and becoming a bigger problem. 
Well, Sean, I think that is some amazing tips that you have given our listeners. Oh, that okay. And well, yeah, I, I, you know what? I think everybody has learned something from this conversation today. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much, Sherry. I, I'm so happy to talk about this again. It's, uh, it's such a big part of your dog's life, and it's so important for their health and well-being. It's, uh, I, I, I'd, I'd be happy to talk to anybody about it. Shoot me an email. Find me through my, uh, my company. And if you're, if you think you're having some problems with your dog's sleep, I'm, I'm here for you. Well, thank you so much, and I am sure there are many sleepless nights going to end because of what you have had to say. I very much hope so. (laughs) Thanks, Sean. Thanks so much, Sherry. Take care. Sean Harnack is a Toronto dog trainer. You can find him online at doghero.ca. In a minute, I'm going to share a story with you that confirms, in my mind anyways, that dogs really do dream. That's coming up in just a few seconds. For those of you who know me, you know that I train all types of animals. However, Rex from Hudson and Rex is usually just with dogs. But we did an episode where we had three sheep. And these sheep, I had to have him introduced to the sheep and have him and the sheep work together. I didn't know really how it was going to all come down and unfold. But you want to know what? He ended up being part of this herd. And the sheep and Diesel absolutely adored each other. Anyways, I had these sheep for about four or five weeks. And we did a lot of training. And, you know, they were together every day. And then it came time for the sheep to go to the petting zoo and they're going to be used in a therapy program. And that night that we took the sheep and we dropped them off, we were sitting in the family room and Diesel was asleep on the floor. And all of a sudden, I'd never seen him do this before. He started like making these little whimpers, wee little barks. His feet started paddling like crazy. And honestly, I swear he had a smile on his face. And I think he actually was having flashbacks of him playing with the sheep and hurting the sheep. It it was something that I'd never seen him ever do before. And, you know, so for me, I actually believe that dogs dream. Sherry, it's Audrey. I was wondering, do dogs dream and what do they dream about? Thank you. My next guest has written five books, and those don't even include the academic papers that she's done. Dr. Deirdre Barrett is a Harvard University-based psychologist who is also the president of the International Association for the Study of Dreams. She is one of the world's foremost experts on dreaming and its effects on health. Dr. Deirdre, welcome to How to Dog. Hi, it's nice to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, this is this is something that everybody everybody wonders about. You know, there's so many myths out there. Um, so hopefully, you're going to debunk a lot of these theories today. Um, Well, it is, uh, it's a pretty speculative area compared to when I'm talking about human dreams, but, but that makes it more fun. 
why do we dream? Can you tell us like why why humans dream? Like, can we associate that as to is it an experience? Is it like, can you tell us what happens or why we dream? Well, most dreams happen during rapid eye movement sleep, which is the stage of sleep in which the brain is the most activated. For other parts of sleep, the the level of activity is way damped down. But in rapid eye movement sleep, our brain is as active on average as when we're awake, but some areas are more active than awake and others are less so. It's reasonable to guess that most mammals are having some kind of cognitive experience that is at least as close to human dreaming as their waking experience is to human cognition. I mean, obviously it's going to be filtered through the size and capacity of, of their brains. And I'm sure every mammal species would have a different experience of rapid eye movement sleep, yeah. but it's very likely that they have an experience of, of rapid eye movement sleep. There's a, a generalization from humans. It's very well established in people that, that dream content is pretty much the same as a given individual's waking concerns, that whatever you're thinking about the most by day and have strong feelings about and have had recent learning and experiences with will show up in your dreams. And it's it's a very different form of thinking. It's very visual and intuitive. It's not as logical and linear, but it's really more the sort of type of, of thinking yeah. and representing things that we're doing in our dreams that's different, but the actual content and concerns are very much match that given individual's waking concerns. So it makes a lot of sense to speculate that dogs are dreaming about whatever dogs are most focused on during their waking hours. So the idea that dogs are dreaming about their owners and their favorite toys and any other dogs or other pets around that they spend a lot of time interacting with that just, you know, whatever you notice your dog being the most interested in by day is going to show up in, in some visual um, sort of less reasoning kind of way in their dreams. There have been multiple incidents when I've been training um, with owners and they say that the dog's been sleeping and they've gone to say goodnight to the dog and the dog has woke up like very aggressively and like rawr, and snap. And, and, and they say the dog doesn't like the eye. The dog doesn't seem to know its whereabouts. And people have been bit multiple times by dogs that, you know, they try and wake them up to move them or whatever. And, you know, I, I, I have to think of myself when I'm sleeping, there have been times when, you know, I've been woke up and I wake up like, ready to hit something. And then other times I wake up and I'm smiling and it's like, Hey, good morning. And, you know, and, and I'm just wondering if dogs, if dogs do have dreams or if dogs do have nightmares, same with people, are you supposed to wake them up during those moments or is there a proper way to wake up um, people or dogs? It's not particularly recommended to awaken people or dogs out of typical nightmares. Um, 
they're they're likelier to recall them if they awaken out of them. And that's not necessarily desirable with really bad dreams. I, I think it's an right. awfully instinctive thing, just like with a waking animal or person that you see in distress to want to comfort it. But given that comforting it is waking it up, that, that may not be as wise with, with nightmares. Um, and of course, it, I'm not sure all attacks after sleep have anything to do with the nightmare because, um, again, people as well as dogs just have a kind of heightened startle reflex when they're unaware and less aware what's going on with them to suddenly be aware any any dog or person that's already potentially anxious or aggressive might be more so when, when awakened quickly just from that. But certainly I think the dream content may often have something to do with it. I, I remember one friend telling me about how just a couple of times, one of his dogs who was just never aggressive with people or other dogs um, woke up and just kind of lunged at and attacked his other dog. Wow. Um, and just just woke up and went for it and and then quickly looked a little confused um and and stopped and he was very sure that his dog had been dreaming that the other dog was aggressing against it that it just looked like a defensive attack and especially the way a moment later the dog not only stopped but looked really kind of bewildered about what was going on you know, a, a lot of dogs who have had, you know, a bad start to life, but now are in a good home. Um, is it possible that those dogs, when they're dreaming and they wake up startled or they wake up and they they're like they have that dazed and confused look? It, it reminds me almost of a dog coming out of a seizure sometimes when I see some of the, the dogs wake up and, and they just they're so it they're they're just not there. Their eyes aren't there. And it takes them a second to realize. And then it's almost like they wag their tails and it's like, Oh, Oh, okay. I'm here. I'm home. And I often wonder if, if some of my rescue dogs are having dreams of what happened to them in the past, because some of the dogs I have have had a very traumatic uh, uh, start to life. In, in humans, dreams focus more on the just the previous day than they do all other experience, for sure. Um, but especially the post-traumatic nightmares definitely go back to the single biggest trauma the person's ever experienced, or if it was war rather than a one-time thing to, you know, to lots of the typical kinds of traumas that they were experiencing dreams. Definitely. They can go back to any points in the past. Well, it is very fascinating. It is, um, you know, a question that everybody asks, um, anybody who owns an animal is like, I wonder if they're dreaming. I wonder what they're thinking. So Dr. Barrett, you have actually shed a lot of light for us. And we learned something about not only ourselves, but also hopefully about our dogs. So I'd like to thank you so much for joining us today. And, uh, you know, we'll be uh, following following your studies and see what else comes up. Yeah. I'm, and I'm so glad you're doing this topic. And it was really interesting to talk to you. Dr. Deirdre Barrett is a Harvard University psychologist and the author of numerous books on dreaming and health. You can find her online at DeirdreBarrett.com. I'm Sherry Davis, Canada's Dogmaster. 
and you're listening to How to Dog, the podcast that answers all your canine questions. I hope Sean and Dr. Deirdre have given you some things to think about when it comes to your dogs and their sleeping habits, and maybe even caused you to rethink some of your own sleeping habits. And now you know what happens when your dog barks in its sleep. In the meantime, don't forget to give us a good review and please call 1-833-HOW-TO-DOG with your burning canine questions. Next week, we're going to learn all about dog talk and how to better understand our dogs when they are trying to tell us something. And that's thanks to this caller. Hi, my name is Maria. I want to know more about doggy body language. Like, what is my dog saying with, to me with his tail or with his ears? Or is there anything else I should look out for? How to Dog is hosted by Sherry Davis, produced by Devin Langell, Carrie Hayden, and Adam Killick. Editing and mixing by Adam Killick. Research by Nicole Saltz. How to Dog is a Shaftesbury podcast and part of the Frequency Podcast Network. You can find more great shows at FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com. Copyright 2021, Shaftesbury. Shaftesbury.